Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down for a second time with Ken, cousin, and this time we're discussing his new book on, guess what, Kotlin. Hey, Ken. Hey, Hadi, how are you? I'm good. It's been, what, six, eight months last time we spoke, right? I mean, on the show, or has it been more? Yes, it's been a while. I mean, I'm today actually is the day I'm supposed to turn in my final changes to the my book, uh, the Kotlin Cookbook book. It's kind of hard to say it that way. Kotlin Cookbook book. Yeah, exactly. It, the book's called Kotlin Cookbook. It's from O'Reilly Media. If you have any last minute suggestions, today's the day. See, so. So what you're saying is that I should just let you go now, and you're gonna go and finish your cookbook book. Cookbook book. <laughs> exactly. No, um, I'm very happy to be here. I've been obviously since I've been working so hard on the book, I've been listening to the Talking Kotlin podcast on a regular basis. So it's been very helpful. Uh, no, I'm just saying that uh, the book should be out by the end of the year. Uh, I'm actually, hopefully, we're we're expecting to have physical copies available in time for Kotlin Conf. Interestingly enough, which, which I'm really looking forward to. By the way, yeah, that would be actually awesome if if it is ready by then. So, and you said that you were listening to all the T Talking Kotlin podcasts. That's awesome because then you're the fourth person. Now I just need to find the other three and find <laughs> all seven listeners. Yes, of course. <laughs> And, well, and can we can we just talk to talk about your book as a uh, cookbook squared? It would just be so much easier than cookbook book, or we could just drop the book. Uh, what? But. Honestly, what? What? However you want to refer to it is fine with me. Uh, all I can tell you is that when I when I present anything on Kotlin, because I I do talk about it at the No Fluff Just Stuff conferences, I always make sure to recommend the Talking Kotlin podcast. So. Oh, I thought you were going to say you make sure to recommend your own book. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I I do have to mention it because my editor would be annoyed if yeah. I didn't put it up there. Uh, it, it's got a little bit. Uh, you know how the O'Reilly books always have uh, an endangered species on the cover. Yeah, it it has been pointed out that it's a little odd to have a cookbook with an endangered species on the cover. You know. Yeah. So who's your marketing person? Because that's just yeah. That that's not good, Ken. I mean. Yes. I have to agree oh, with that. Me. I do feel a little odd about that. I, I have uh, sent them emails saying, are we sure we want to do that? <laughs> but I think it's a little late to change that now. So I just, you know, there's no recipe on dealing with the the endangered species on the cover this time is called, a I think it's called a kinkajou or something. It's a, a small marsupial type mammal in South America. And, and I don't know much about the details. I just know they sent me a picture and they said, is this okay? And I went, okay, yeah, whatever. So when they sent you the picture, you didn't know it was an endangered species. Well, that's just, I know traditionally, whenever you write a book for O'Reilly, they put an endangered species on the cover. I just okay. know that on my previous book, the the Modern Java Recipes one, it was uh, uh, some sort of uh, animal from the deer family in, in Indonesia or something, you know, and just so there was always something. But the previous book had been called Recipes. And I didn't make the connection. It's this one when we actually have the word cookbook in the title that it seemed awkward. We're, we're dwelling on this far too long, aren't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, coming back to your book. Uh, so right. last time we spoke, you had just kind of like, you know, got into Kotlin. Of course, those that I'm guessing many people know you already. Uh, but for those that don't, you know, you come from a groovy background. Uh, groovy and Java primarily. So I, I spent my, my first book was uh, 
making Java groovy. So that was a Java groovy integration book. And I, I still kind of consider groovy kind of the first love, you know, the, the first alternative language on the JVM that I really enjoyed. And I, I still use it occasionally if I get a chance to, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, but of course, when I encountered Kotlin, uh, I should mention that the reason I got into Kotlin, you know, there were two drivers for me to get into it. One is that I, I still teach Android related courses. And of course, Android is now Kotlin first for everything. So that was a strong driver. And also I work with the Gradle build tool that I've, I've been using for years. And since last November with Gradle 5, they introduced their Kotlin DSL. You know, well, it's been before that, but it was went version 1.0 last November. So I, I needed to learn Kotlin for both of those purposes. And of course, I've all I've been interested in alternative languages on the JVM anyway. So this was an opportunity to get into it. So I've, I've been learning about it for a couple of years. I've been speaking on at conferences about it. And this book is kind of the culmination of those experiences, plus you know, all the, everything I've been collecting from following the Slack channel and playing with the code myself and, and friends and things like that over, over time. Yeah. And I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, again, since the last time we spoke, you were getting into Kotlin, you were looking at it for some time. Given that you've written a book, I kind of feel like it's convinced you, right? It's, you well, like part it enough, of right? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I really like the language. Definitely. That's, that's not an issue. It's that, um, it's interesting how different languages make different decisions as to what they decide to prioritize. And you, you learn a lot from, Look from seeing what these decisions are, and they're it's the uh, the static typing, the static binding by default, the just an interesting way to go about things in Kotlin. I, for example, just a really a couple of really simple things I like the the single um, how would you say it uh, when you when you write a, a, a function as a single statement, single you know, expression, the, uh, exactly. Yeah, right. It's like it, it it's really encourages you kotlin really encourages you to write in that form which makes you write a bunch of very small functions that are easily testable and of course i've spent a lot of time digging into the kotlin standard library you know because it's tied right into intellij or whatever i just control click and look at library functions to understand how they work and and the standard library uses that pattern over and over and over again yeah it, really i like that i've missed that when i go to other languages so yeah. even a thing like that it's very attractive now talking about that in fact a conversation came up about that recently and i was asking uh i think it was when i had on the show we were discussing this or was it anise i can't remember but one of the two and recently i i encountered someone at a conference that asked me what 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 i thought about the single expression functions and i like them obviously and they said oh do you use it when the return type is unit and I said, actually, no, I've never really used it like that. And really? they were asking me because they had a lot of, uh, well, they had a lot, a lot of functions in their code base because a few people on the team were actively using single expression functions when the return type was unit. And they were concerned because in terms of readability, it was sometimes confusing, right? Because the function actually doesn't, I mean, it returns unit, but you know, by and large, we assume that unit means not returning something. So do you, oh, yeah. do you, do you follow this pattern yourself? 
Uh, I haven't stopped doing it. I still like writing single expression functions. I mean, I'll even do it as a demo. I'll just write main equals print line of hello world, you know, just as a demo that you could do it even with a function that returns unit. Um, but, but what's really changed for me is that that's when scope functions started to really make sense to me. Things like let and also, for example, because previously I would write a regular method, well, function, and I would assign something to a temporary variable and then print it, or I would, I would evaluate something on it. And now I simply assign the, the signature to the function, then dot also colon colon print line, something like that. So uh, using that with an also or with a let or, you know, the other, um, or even an apply occasionally, uh, that's partly what made those scope functions make sense to me. And now talking about your book, so what is it? I mean, for, for people that aren't familiar with the series from O'Reilly and the, and the whole cookbook thing of the extinguished uh, oh, well, species the, um, that are, yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, the pattern at O'Reilly is that when you make a book that has the word cookbook in the title, then the focus is on what the user wants to do. So it's not a traditional exposition like, uh, like Kotlin in Action or like uh, Venkat Subramaniam has his new book is uh, Programming Kotlin. You know, these are books that build up the language from the beginning. Uh, a cookbook is more like saying, well, let's assume that you are familiar with the language. How do you use it to accomplish specific tasks? You know, how do you use it to to get something done? And therefore, it's not necessarily linear. Now, I, I do have a fair amount of basic information in there as well, because I can't assume everybody has already learned Kotlin to dive in. But when I talk about, say, collections, I say, well, all right, say you already know about collections. How do you create a read-only view of a collection, for example? Or when I talk about Spring, I say, how do you use the, the DSL for uh, the WebFlux module, you know, for doing something with uh, reactive streams, that sort of thing? So it's much more focused on a task you want to accomplish rather than building up an exposition of the basics of how the programming language works. So it's more kind of like a by example, pragmatic approach in real world scenarios that you want to use certain constructs in your app. How would you do that kind of thing, right? Exactly. Although the the words real world you know, a little, are a little uh, flexible there. You know what I mean? Because it's still mostly the things are supposed to be just a couple of pages, you know, very quick and easy. So they do focus on, on more basic constructs, but the motivation is supposed to come from real world situations where you had a task to accomplish and therefore focuses on that. Right. And you mentioned that the kind of you're not giving an introduction to the language. So for someone that is not familiar with Kotlin, this wouldn't be a good book to start with then, right? Well, that's always been the dicey question, you know, is how much introductory material do I include? So the balance that I tried to choose is that in each section, I'm trying to include the basic capabilities as well. Like on the, even it's, I have a section on how do you work with arrays entirely? You know, what are the, what are the capabilities of arrays? And then the rest of that chapter is all about, all right, let's use arrays or let's use collections to accomplish specific tasks. So I don't want to uh, you know, cut out everybody who hasn't spent time with the language, because that would be, you know, an, an unnecessarily high bar. Um, but I don't spend extra time on the basics. I don't try to cover every nook and cranny of how you would use this, that, or the other. I basically give the a summary of what each feature is. You know, how do you build a sequence? How do you do a 
how do you do composition with delegation, that sort of thing, and then go into, all right, why would this come up? You know, and when is what circumstances are going to drive you to try this out? That's the basic idea. And that's kind of a hard problem, no? I mean, as a book author or as an author to anything, whether you're an instructor or whatever, like where do you draw the line? Like when you're explaining something, let's assume that you explain the let function. Do you dive into or do you have another section in the book that dives into single expression functions? Do you dive into the, you know, so many of the higher order functions? Like where do you draw the line when you're deciding how deep I'm going to cover a specific topic? Well, the idea is that I assume that you have not necessarily read the book in any particular order, but I link to other sections all over the place. So in a book that would be a traditional exposition, you can't really talk about let until you've talked about higher order functions or or the L, well the safe uh, safe call operator, things like that, you know, or using it with Elvis. Whereas in my book, I'm saying, look, I'll I have the basics in there, but here's where let comes up in practice, where you often use it with a question mark dot and then maybe an Elvis operator after it. I say, let's just show you all of that. And then if you haven't seen Elvis or if you haven't seen the safe call or whatever, I'll have links to other recipes that explain that in more detail. Now, of course, as I say, I can't go into every nook and cranny of how the elements work. And I don't have a ton of exposition, but some people just prefer to learn by example. You know, some people much prefer to say, look, I, I, I don't want to just read this. Show me the code and show me where this actually comes up in practice. And the nice thing I can assume in my book is that, look, let's assume you've seen all of this and put it together. And if you haven't seen all of this, I'll link to the more basic information. So it's even in fact, it's kind of like harder because you not only don't often dive deep into the actual topic, but you have to assume that people are reading it completely in random order. Um, harder from a writer point of view. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not from a reader <laughs> point of view. Yeah. But the thing is my, it's more of how I actually learn. to be honest. It's that I, I read about something like let in Kotlin in action or one of the other books and I go, well, okay, why would I ever do this? And then I'm reading the Slack channel and somebody asks a question and I go, Oh yeah, that's why it comes up. And it's from people who have experience and what do they do in practice? Now, it, it does raise a fairly high bar, but it's the sort of thing that it's uh, it's how I learn the language itself is I start making little collections of simple, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? And then I assemble it all into the recipe book and, and try to smooth out all the edges and stitch it all together, much like Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that was going to bring me to my other question, which is you've got a, I mean, essentially it's a book of recipes how did you choose which recipes make it and which one don't? Because you mentioned things like Spring, and then, you know, I'm assuming that there's stuff around Android and there's many other things, right? What, how do you select what makes you know, it? That's a hard question too, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, because originally I was going to, uh, my goal, to be honest, is to keep the book short. Is that I wanted something that that people could say, all right, this is, has value in it, but it's not going to be overwhelming. It's not going to take me forever to get through something like this if I decide I want to read it, but have enough coverage of the common use cases of things that come up a lot that uh, that people would find it valuable. So it's more of a judgment call of 
saying, okay, I, I did feel I had to put in a section about spring. The Android stuff, I decided rather than put a dedicated chapter to Android, I kind of have Android examples kind of throughout, you know, because of course so much comes from Android. So many, the major killer app for Kotlin is Android. You know, I'm expecting people to, to a lot of people to come to the book from an Android background, but I don't want to say you have to know Android in order to use the book, that sort of thing either. So I tried originally, I was hoping not to include too many simple things, but what I did is I collected the, the common things that came up a lot and then filled in what background you needed in order to flesh it out so that the book would be in some sense coherent, you know, so that it would be self-contained. I still don't really expect it to be uh, an individual reader's only Kotlin book, but I do want it, if it is your first Kotlin book, I do want it to have enough detail that people can follow it. And on the other hand, I didn't want it to be, you know, 700 pages or whatever. So it doesn't cover every possible thing. Uh, and that was the kind of balance. So it, it's, you know, it's like 200, 250 pages, something like that. And, and hopefully covering the most common cases that people need. And, and also there were a few things that I just happened to like that I left in anyway, like, like, how do you get the Kotlin version, you know, from Kotlin that just, it was interesting or how to make when exhaustive, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just, even though you might say, well, that might not come up a lot still, if it does, here's a simple way of how to do it. I, I think that actually does come up quite a bit. Like, I mean, the number of times that people want to find out the version number of something, and it's, it's the simple things that sometimes you're like, Oh, how do I do this? I have no idea. Go to the website. Oh, where's the version number on the website? Oh, it's really hidden somewhere, which unfortunately we have that issue. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, and I've, and I've, uh, Give, given some feedback, obviously, to the book. Um, I don't. I assume you're aware that I've been giving feedback on the book, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I, I Good. you as a, as a reviewer. So yes. That was. And by the way, I'm very glad to hear that you like that Kotlin version recipe because I've always wondered: is that something anybody's going to care about? Whereas I really liked it, so I'm glad to hear that actually. Yeah, and in <laughs> fact, I like the fact that you know you. While we're not talking about beginners, the very first chapters are up and running. Right. Because, right. you know, how to work with the command line, how to use the REPL and things that often people struggle with. And it's also very much the first step of how do I get up and running with, with Kotlin. Right. And then so, I could in, in the same chapter, I could throw in, by the way, here's how you use the native image command if you want to run on Grawl, for yeah. example. Yeah. Boy, that was awesome. I got to tell you, that was uh, amazing how easy it was and how fast it was when I when I got to play with that. Yeah. But also we get to talk about, you know, the, the nothing class or, or uh, well, other features like that that might come up less commonly but are, you know, interesting. Nothing class. It reminds me of a, uh, a song by Pearl Jam. It was called Nothing Man. I don't know if you're – were you a fan <laughs> of Pearl Jam? Uh, I was familiar with them. Uh, I was more of a Nirvana person, although actually I'm, I'm old. So I, I, you know, I, I like – So is Nirvana. Like I'm sorry about it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, by the way, my, my unfortunate recipe name, I, I had to call it Much Ado About Nothing when I, when I did that one. <laughs> oh, it's better than nothing, man. At least more people get the reference. Um, one is even, by a grunge band. The other one is by Shakespeare, right? Well, yeah, but I also did throw in a You Know Nothing Jon Snow joke in there, too. So, you know. <laughs> we'll let that one pass. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
actually, I have to tell you, that's one of the ways I write because, you know, writing is is difficult, you know, and and one of the techniques I have for writing is that if I have a joke to tell, I'll write and write and write just so I can tell the gag. And then a good editor can come in and go, you know what? Uh, you got rid of 90 percent of this. Like you don't right. need this. I still have the text, you know. <laughs> in a world where people are, when when there's a Twitter thread, they're like, "Oh God, there's like three, there's like three tweets here. It's too much for me to read." I can imagine editors are just like, "No, Ken, you need to cut all of this story, personal life out, and yeah, we don't need to know all of this before you just explaining how, uh, when, ex uh, functions." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's, what the, that's what a newsletter is for. But the the idea though is that it, it keeps you writing, or it keeps me writing, anyway. That's just a mechanism I use to keep going. Uh, that and and again, it's the the uh, basic recipes are a collection of reminding myself how do I do that? How do I figure this out? And this way, I get to keep a record of them all, you know, and and not just keep a record. I used to be back in the day, I would write blog posts about these sorts of things, and now this is kind of a collection of what would have been blog posts otherwise, uh, just all stitched together and made somewhat uniform that way. I expect that after the book is done, after it's ready, I expect I will take a bunch of them and and like publish a weekly maybe blog post highlighting some of the the bigger ones as we go. And of course the GitHub repository is available to anybody. You don't have to buy the book in order to clone the GitHub repo, which I did use the Kotlin DSL in Gradle to build, of course. Now a lot of times we get pinged about material that is teaching Kotlin and is very oriented towards the Java developer. You know, this comes from not only novice developers, but also people that may come from other technologies such as C Sharp or uh, JavaScript. Right. Well, where would you say your book stands? That too was a very hard question, was how much to include. Could I go into multi-platform? Could I go into Kotlin native? Uh, based on the time frame when I was writing the book, those features were still more or less in beta in Kotlin. You know, the, the multi And some of them still are, just for the record. <laughs> exactly. So I kind of had to make the decision to say, look, I'd like to talk to you about multi-platform and, and native, but I, the part on the JVM is quite mature, and that works very well. So I focused on Kotlin on the JVM. And I, I say that in the in the preface is to explain that, yes, I do. I have nothing against the others. And I like showing in, in a presentation the difference between like actual and expected. You know, these are neat features. And I do think that Kotlin has a bright future there. But for the time being, as you're ramping up, I am going to make the assumption that you're working with Kotlin on the JVM and that you have at least some passing familiarity with Java. There are many introductory Kotlin books that don't make that assumption. I mean, the, the Head First Kotlin book, by the way, by Don and Dave Griffiths that just came out recently, they really treat Kotlin from the ground up, you know, from very, very basics. I'm going to assume that people have uh, some familiarity with Java, and I do make analogies to it. This also accommodates the Android people who are extending Java classes to write Kotlin all the time. Yeah, and the head first section is a very good example. There's another one that my uh, colleague Svetlana has been working on with Bruce Eckel as well, which is called Atomic Kotlin. Yes. Uh, but, you know, by and large, it, it does fall in more balance towards people assuming Java, and, and more than Java, people assuming they know the JVM, 
right? Well, um, I used to have the same problem with Groovy. Not that they did cross-platform stuff, but that the question was, well, if I'm going to learn Groovy, do I also have to learn Java? And the answer was, well, no, but yes. You know, it's like, no, you don't. But if you really want to get into the details, if you really want to understand it and go beyond it, that would be helpful. Well, Kotlin, yes, I understand there's the Kotlin JS part and the, there's the Kotlin generating multi-platform stuff. But if you, I feel like if you really want to understand how Kotlin was put together, how it was designed, what the motivations were, a knowledge, a basic knowledge of Java is very, very helpful in that case. By the way, I'm looking forward to that Atomic Kotlin book. I mean, I my first Java book was Bruce Eccles Thinking in Java back in the 90s, you know, the first edition of that. And of course, Svetlana, does she pronounce it Isakova? Is that how she pronounces her last name? Yeah, I mean, uh, she's one of the creators of the language. I mean, and, and she's a co-author on on Kotlin in Action, which is still the definitive guide. I mean, not to push a book other than my own, I guess, but that was, you know, my primary reference for you, years. O'Reilly Marketing doesn't really like you, do they? I mean, no, you're pushing really. everyone else's book apart from your own. This is not the, the way it's meant to work, especially with like, oh, and I'm going to write some blog posts about my book. No, 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 no. That's yeah, I, I've part. really never been good at marketing. <laughs> I do have to admit that. Although at least I can tell my the people to really, oh, I'm appearing on the Talking Kotlin podcast, and they can all go, wow, cool. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just don't tell the number of listeners we have. <laughs> so, oh well, hey, we do that with the Groovy podcast all the time too. So I understand. <laughs> no, it's a, it's good. I mean, it's like with anything, you know, you don't you don't. You don't get a lot of feedback at times, so you kind of say, oh, you know, is anyone out there actually listening to the mumble jumble that I say twice a month? But um, well, hopefully it's, they are. I assume what happens to you when you go to, um, I mean, you're a developer advocate, when you go to conferences and make presentations, I assume people come up to you and say, oh, I heard you on the podcast, or I, I heard this or that or the other. Uh, I get similar feedback occasionally. That's it is largely an exercise of, of throwing something out into the world and just hoping that it's it's beneficial to somebody, that it's useful. Uh, I know this much, that if I say something wrong, I'll hear about that. So that's useful. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It, it's very, you definitely hear about your mistakes. And, and talking about mistakes, uh, there was one in the book, uh -oh. uh, which I want to point out publicly. Uh, Good. No, I'm Good. joking. I'm just joking. Uh, no, no. Today's the day. As they say, I get back to make changes still today. Well, if you're going to make changes, now is the yeah. time because I was glancing through the book just again before we went on the show. And uh, on the last page that I have in my version, the, I think you say the colophon? Colophon? Is that how you pronounce uh, it? Uh, I think so. It says the animal on the cover of fill-in title is fill-in yeah. description. So <laughs> you, you may be in time to change those things because it's still a placeholder well i do know what the animal is now so yeah i better i better update that although i was uh, i think what happened is i was under the assumption the o'reilly people would fix that and maybe they're under the assumption that i will so yeah maybe we better coordinate that and make sure that's okay now. you should because it's the two paragraphs down it says the cover image is from filling credits so you better make yeah. sure they fix that up by the way you will be in the acknowledgements just to let you oh, know thank you how much well, so what percentage do I get out of that? Uh well whatever just pick we, a number. We, yeah, we could discuss oh, okay. Oh nice. Actually 
what I tell people, um, because I've written like three books now, this will be book number four. And I say, if you're interested in the finances of book technical book publishing, I always say it this way. If someone was to buy my book, I can buy a cup of coffee, but not at Starbucks. So yeah, we're not talking about a lot of money here, but yeah, I'll be happy to, I mean, I'll, I'll take last quarter's revenue and I'll buy lunch next time I see you. <laughs> no, sorry, man. You won't be able to afford it. Um, especially if we're going to meet each other in Denmark, because it's kind of expensive. I'm really looking forward to that, by the way. There's so many people in the Kotlin community that I only know by reputation, that I, I only know from either exchanging email or just seeing their name. Uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting them at KotlinConf, and I have not yet been. This will be my first uh, KotlinConf. I, I have been to Copenhagen because they actually had great conf. You know, the Groovy, Grails, Gradle, Griffin, that conference uh, has been in Copenhagen for years. So I've actually, I was a keynote at that conference a few years ago. This will be my first, a, a good chance to get back to Copenhagen and meet, uh, I assume Svetlana will be there and Roman uh, Lazarov and, and all those others. I'm really looking forward to meeting. So I want to ask you something about the book. Uh, yeah. There's, there's two chapters. One of them is a little bit about object-oriented programming. And then there's another one about functional programming. Right. Uh, how much did you want to dive into the functional programming stuff in the book? I mean, did you did you have in mind this was kind of like a just get you up and running with some of the concepts and how you use them in Kotlin or like were you being held back? Because, you know, when I said like what made the cut, what didn't, was it even harder when it came to the functional programming stuff? Because it is a hot topic, right? And there's a lot of people now that are getting into functional programming with languages such as Kotlin. Well, the way I decided to play that is the section on object-oriented programming is not basic object-oriented programming. It's like, here's the parts of OO that are specific to Kotlin. You know, talking about data classes or the whole backing properties or overloading operators, that sort of stuff. Whereas when it came to functional programming, I'm assuming that that's the normal idiom for writing Kotlin in general, just as since Java 8 has come out, working with streams and lambdas and method references, that's the normal idiom for writing Java. So again, I just added a handful of recipes of saying, by the way, if you've used reduce in Java, here's reduce in Kotlin and here's also fold. Or by the way, Kotlin has tail recursion, that sort of thing. But I have a whole dedicated chapter towards sequences, for example, which essentially are Java streams. So it's, yes, I have a small section on it, but it's more like I'm using the functional programming concepts throughout because that is the normal idiom. That's kind of what we want to recommend in general. At least that's that was my take on it. Yeah, because there's a lot of references, again, in you know many of the recipes, they are using high-order functions, right? And you're just basically right. assuming somewhat that people are familiar uh, with that. So yeah, the, the focus of the FP parts is more around some of the constructs that are available in, in Kotlin as such. Yeah. It's, it, the collection section, you know, we talk about sorting, we talk about, you know, uh, using a window on a collection or building a map. And of course we're using map and filter and, you know, all the other normal functional concepts with the, as you say, higher order functions throughout. Yeah. And you have an entire section on testing and coming from Groovy, obviously, you know, I, a lot of people probably got into Groovy because of the Spark. Spark, uh, Spark and some of the other flexibility that it would give you with testing. How do you feel about the whole testing scenario with Kotlin? Because you know, it started out with many people just using JUnit, and then there was uh, Spec, and then there was J uh, Kotlin Test, and now there's 
quite a few that I even I've lost track on. That was a challenge too, because I didn't want to recommend something that would fall out of favor. And therefore it's it's kind of hard to know. With Groovy, it was clear that that not only J Unit but Spock was going to become dominant. Uh, by the way, I have a little story on that. Uh, Rob Fletcher, I think you you may yes. know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, Netflix, wrote, right? Yeah, he wrote a testing book and he was going to come up with a Kotlin testing framework. And I said, Well, Groovy's got Spock, you have to call this one Kirk, right? I mean, after all. <laughs> and <laughs> Plan to do it, but unfortunately, it turned out the name was used for another API. Uh, so he had to, he had to wind up changing it. Now, what I decided to do is I used um, I've been very big uh, as a fan of uh, JUnit Five. I really love what they did with JUnit Five. I, I think they did a great job with the API there. So I did all my tests on JUnit Five. You know, making it so that the lifecycle was per class is also, which is another Kotlin recommendation. Um, and then I was going to pick a Kotlin testing library like K-Test, for example, which seems to be very popular. And in the end, I decided not to go into a specific Kotlin testing library because I, again, I'm, I'm not sure I could pick a winner at this stage. And I, I don't want to drive somebody in a particular direction. Now, on the other hand, I, uh, I, I was very pleased to see that in the Spring framework, in the latest version of uh, Spring Boot, you know, the 2.1.9 that just came out, the Spring test framework puts in this, the JUnit 5 extension automatically. They have the Spring extension is already an annotation that comes with uh, using a Spring test. And therefore, again, you know, it was uh, another piece of evidence that JUnit 5 seems to be the future. So there were some excellent blog posts on how to use Kotlin for testing in general that were not specific to a particular API. And I tried to focus on some of that, how to, you know, how to use a data class to make test objects, for example, or make a helper function, helper function to provide default arguments and, and so on. And I built all the tests in the repo based on JUnit 5. And I am looking forward to trying out, I mean, some of these other Kotlin testing libraries look really promising. I just decided not to spend a lot of time in the book on those specific ones. Yeah. It's kind of sad, or I would say unfortunate, that you end up in a situation where you're like, well, I want to give some examples, but I don't want to give examples because then people will be misled saying that, oh, I should just use this one, you know? It, it is hard to know. I mean, again, it's it's hard to make a decision as to what to advocate. It's like, you know, nowadays, because so much information is available online, there's always the question of why are you writing a book at all? And I often think of books now as more curation than anything else. They're basically saying, yes, there, you could be overwhelmed with the amount of information online. Here is a selection based on the author's opinion at the time of what's really valuable, what's really important, and how to put them together. And in my opinion, at this stage, testing is vital. I mean, I do tests everywhere. There's practically everything in the in the repository has a test on it. But I stuck with JUnit 5, and I, I do hope to use, but that's also, of course, uh, the testing in, in uh, Android apps. Uh, they do have Espresso and everything, but there's nothing uniquely Kotlin-like about Espresso. So I didn't spend time on that either. But this seemed to be the approach to take uh, right now. Maybe a year from now, that situation will be different. Yeah. How many books have you written? You said three or four, right? Uh, this will be number four. I have a, a fifth one in the works. Uh, there's a, I don't know if you know, I, I made this presentation for years called Managing Your Manager. And we finally turned that into a book as well. So 
so that'll be number this is number four, and that'll be number five. That I, I wrote a Gradle. I guess I should mention because some of these you can get for free. The Gradle recipes for Android book that I wrote years ago. Uh, that one, if you register at Gradle.org, you can get a free PDF of that. So that's available. That by the way, that shows my my. We already said I'm lousy at marketing. My business sense is not great either. I agreed to a royalty on a book I knew Gradle was going to give away for free. You know, <laughs> but you don't want me negotiating your next contract, for example. So managing so a manager is this? Uh, this is kind of like soft skills. Exactly. It's looking at management from an employee perspective. That's what I call it, winning the game of business from the employee side rather than from the management side. So the vast majority of, of, of literature on management is directed at managers, not at people who are professionals and, and value their work more than becoming in the management hierarchy and, of course, have to deal with managers on a regular basis. You're going mainstream. You're stepping outside of the developer IT market. Well, it, it, at least with that, I don't have to worry about going out of date and constantly have to keep me up with new versions. Right. <laughs> like, but I'm just thinking to myself that I want a picture with you at KotlinConf. You know, when you're famous, you know, you're a New York Times bestseller with this book. I want to say, I knew this guy when he was a little bit famous. Now he's uh, very famous. I, I may remember you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we can. Uh, yeah, let, let's. I will write a book and and hope. You know, sure, you'd love to have something go viral. That would be great. Yeah, but you know, you it's um like uh what do they say about the movies? Like in acting, you can either make a, a fortune but not a living. That sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't count on any of that. I don't count on anything becoming very popular. But it's for my you own know, use, right? I mean, the people I know. But yeah, if it does go viral, I will. You know, maybe I'll remember you. It could happen. Well, I mean, I don't even really care if you do remember me. Just make, let, let's agree that my royalties from your Kotlin book is from the other book. Okay. Uh, a 10% cut on whatever you make from the other book. Or from all four books put together. By no, the way, I'm not greedy, man. 10% from the, <laughs> the mainstream book is much better. I mean, like managing your manager is such a catchy title. Right. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I, I can you know? see big things happening here for you, Ken, and for me, obviously. Ten percent oh, as, sure. uh, as your as uh, your manager. Um, so. By the way, I got a, a royalty check for the making job a groovy book uh, for the second quarter of 2019. That uh, was, I think, it was thirty five dollars. So for that quarter, so oh boy, you know, <laughs> that will buy you a beer in Copenhagen. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much, so, including the tip. So, when is your book out? When is it coming out? Well, as, as I say, we should have physical copies out in time for Kotlin Comp the first week of December, and the ebook should be out earlier than that. If you have a, a an account at what they used to call Safari Books Online, the O'Reilly Learning Platform, there are early access versions available there already. And of course, that's the first site that will get updated when the when the final version is ready. I expect that within oh, a month or so. So again, the real goal is to have everything ready by the beginning of December. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to see the print copy and hopefully it will be ready by Colin Conf and we will see each other then. Oh, you're very kind. I, I do appreciate that. And I hope some people will find it actually very useful. I mean, that's the plan. Um, and if there are any errors or problems like that, well, maybe we can fix those in the second edition. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to Kotlin Conf, and, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully. Oh, I should mention, by the way, I'm also a 
Uh, I'm on the website of IntelliJ as a training partner, an official training partner for uh, Kotlin in general. Yes, you so, are. You're part of the Kotlin certifi certified JetBrains Kotlin certified training. Uh, which, by the way, another strong motivation of what to include in the book and what not to include is say, oh, wow, well, if the certification test emphasized this, I better say something about it in the yeah. book. <laughs> and uh, just uh, for people that are interested in getting training, they can obviously reach out to you and get training. Um, right. And you do worldwide training, right? But I'm guessing you're mostly focused in the U.S. Uh, yeah, worldwide is fine, but yeah, I'm mostly focused in the U.S. and and we'll look into online options as well. And uh, see, so I'm not terrible at marketing; I'm just not good at it. Where are you actually based out of? Oh, I'm in Connecticut in the United States. So if you have a rough idea where New York City is and a rough idea where Boston is, I'm pretty much halfway in the middle. Yeah. I'm a little closer to the Boston side. Yeah. And are you going to Dev Nexus next year? I am. I'm looking forward to that conference too. I've been going there for years. The the one in Atlanta. Yes. Uh, in fact, I'm doing a Kotlin workshop at Dev Nexus. Awesome. So I'll see you there as well. I'll be there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you have, hopefully, if I have any feedback on the book before then, <laughs> I'll have everything up to time for that. That's uh, that's in early February, I think. Right. Yeah. No, and actually, yeah. it's like I, uh, 18th to 21st. I know it because oh. I'm unfortunately going to miss my um, little one's birthday. And he said, well, oh, we're oh. going to look at ways to make up for this, Dad. I'm like, okay, this is going to be yeah. expensive. Anyway, I'll, I'll tell him I'll bring him a, um, a book on Kotlin recipes. We have a signed copy, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Great talking to you, Ken. Hey, thank you very much, Hadi.